Welcome back, folks. I am your host, the NFL Always Offseason GM, and this is the Pound the Table podcast. Uh, We had a ton of breaking news come out in the last week or so here. We had the emergency pod hitting on some of the big quarterback moves. I'm not going to dive into it here on this pod. There's so much of it. We're going to filter through it, hopefully get some more of the details ironed out in terms of compensation on these trades and these contracts. And then we'll also maybe get to hit on some stuff with the free agency uh, frenzy that's supposed to kick off next week. So we're going to wait on that. This week, we're going to just attack two Fix Your uh, Franchise segments. I want to get them in before we can get to the free agency period and the and the NFL draft rankings can wait as well because we got some time before we get into full-fledged draft mode a couple months. So make sure you stay tuned. We got the Fix Your Franchise Houston Te- Texans segment on deck, and then right after that, we're rolling right into the New York Jets. So let's get after it. Next up for Fix Your Franchise this week is going to be the Houston Texans. And the Houston Texans are coming off of a very underwhelming season. They finished 4-13. and And first-year head coach David Culley was in turn fired uh, after one season and input Lovey Smith now. Lovey Smith, the former defensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears, has since been uh, the defensive coordinator this previous year under David Culley for the Houston Texans and previously had stops at Illinois uh, as the head coach of their college program. But uh, currently he's the head coach of the Houston Texans and he inherits kind of a influx team right now at uh, they're in a very transitional stage here where they have some pieces on their roster that I'm pretty sure aren't going to be there next year and a, a lot of other big decisions to make. Uh, the first one being is the Deshaun Watson, Watson situation. I don't really want to weigh in on this too much just because it, the situation is very touch and go. It sounds like a lot of teams are interested in him, and if they move him, they're going to get extremely significant capital back to go with their third overall pick in this year's draft. But I don't even want to touch that subject because uh, it sounds as though we'll know a little bit later this week. But if if he's criminally charged and if this goes through court and he's found guilty of any crimes, uh, he's he's never playing a down of football the rest of his career. So it's it's fairly serious, and I don't want to weigh in too much on, on what's going to happen. But all we know is they're going to get significant draft capital back, uh, significant cap relief back. It's not, it seems as though as if they trade him pre-June 1, uh, according to Over the Cap, they're going to get $24.2 million in dead money and cap savings. So that's a big number that you could see. Uh, then on top of that as well, uh, it sounds as though they're going to move Laramie Tunsil this year as well, too. Uh, if they were to outright cut him, it's going to be actually a loss of money there between the dead money and the cap. I believe it's right around like $500,000. But if they look to trade him, uh, they could see about $9.5 million in dead money and cap savings uh, with a trade pre-June 1. So Laramie Tunsil is still playing at a pretty high level as well. So I could see him being fairly uh, attractive trade candidate at this point as well too. He probably nets you at least a first a late first round pick, early second round pick at the minimum I would assume. So that that's something that you could look to explore due to the top offensive line talent at the beginning of the draft. 
Another gentleman that could be traded as well would be Brandon Cooks. He's been a very productive receiver, and he's, he's bounced around team to team to team. And at this point, I kind of feel bad for the guy being mentioned in these trade rumors. But he's another gentleman here that could be moved, and you could see about $8.7 million in cap, uh, dead money in cap relief this year if he's traded pre-June 1. So all three of them guys uh, wouldn't net you some fairly decent draft capital. I'm thinking at least a second, third rounder. For Brandon Cooks, first, second rounder for Laramie Tunsil, and you could be seeing multiple first rounders if Deshaun Watson is proven to be an innocent party. So that gives you a ton of draft capital to help rebuild this roster the right way because right now I don't really have a clue what they're doing. They had one of the most puzzling off-seasons I've ever seen last year where they went out and they signed all these new players. They had, I mean, it was almost like 30 new players on their roster on like one- to two-year deals. And now they're kind of sitting here with a lot of these guys coming off the books, but a lot of them are still on the books. Uh, you got guys like Eric Murray that you could see if you cut him uh, pre-June 1, you're going to save about $5.4 million. Uh, you could also move on from a Max Sharping, another $2.5 million. Justin McCray, another $2.3 million. Uh we keep scrolling down here. Philip Dorsett, you're looking at almost a million dollars in cap savings. So there's a there's a significant amount of moves you can make here to clear up easily probably ten to fifteen million dollars in cap space. So you're looking at the minimum of twenty five to thirty million dollars in cap space after those moves. And if you're making those big trades that we talked about earlier, you're looking at upwards of almost forty to fifty million if you get Deshaun Watson off the books, especially. So there's some serious potential here for them to move out into the free agency period and get some of these uh, cornerstone guys that are are set to hit the market. And I, I'm really curious to see what they do. I think it's more important for them to build through the draft. I think it's more important for them to build an identity and get some cornerstone pieces, especially in the trenches here, as we, they, they're really lacking on both sides of the ball there. So moving right along here, we kind of touched on their cap space uh, situation. I wanted to take a look at their free agents as well, too to see who they could look to bring back currently that is not on the roster. That could be some options for them as they uh, take a look at who they want to bring back. So when I'm looking at their current free agents, they have a few of them set to hit the, I guess the the way I'm looking at it, set to hit the, the open market. And they got guys like Tyrod Taylor, David Johnson, uh, Justin Britt, uh, even Christian Kirksey, some of these guys are guys that I wouldn't really think to bring back. I don't think they're going to be key pieces moving forward, especially Tyrod Taylor, who uh, kind of got usurped by uh, Davis Mills once again. And David Johnson, another guy that's probably going to net you about a few, a few million dollars. But you got some pretty decent production under Rex Burke. Then I think a better option would be to turn, steer your future of your running back room towards the draft. A guy like Desmond King, I, th- I still think has some value as a slot corner in the league, but I think that they're going to look to get a little bit younger at the position as well. Uh, Christian Kirksey has been a, a very average linebacker at best in, during his time at Cleveland and Green Bay and Houston, but he's been oft injured, so uh, that that's kind of a knock that if you can't stay on the field, you're not really a guy that I really want uh, necessarily lead my locker room. And then the last guy that... This is one that if if the relationship can be salvaged is someone that I would be really interested in signing is going to be Justin Reed. And Justin Reed was a f- 
former draft pick for the Houston Texans. He's a safety out of Stanford, and he's a very productive uh, multiple safety. And I think he's not going to be cheap necessarily. I think you're going to have to sign him in that you know seven to ten million plus range to keep him on the roster. But I think that he's one of the cornerstone guys. He's a he's a good voice in the locker room that I think that you'd look to keep around to really kind of bolster this uh, this secondary for this team as it's not very good currently. Uh, another guy that I would look to come back, if, as long as the dollar amount isn't too high, is going to be the wide receiver Chris Conley. I don't necessarily think he's got, you know, wide receiver one or two upside. But at some point, we got to look to fill out this roster. And if, if we're going to be you know, shedding Brandon Cooks. Uh, we do have Nico Collins currently here, but other than that, we can't expect to draft three rookies and have them all be impact players. I think Chris Conley can give you a presence on the outside. He's a bigger body guy that can try to push the ball down the field, win some of these jump ball situations. And I think you get them fairly cheap, you know, right around one to $2 million, one of the vet minimum deals. So that gives you a, a decent target opposite Nico Collins and maybe some of these younger guys that you're looking to bring in. So those are a couple of options that I would look to bring back. Once again, uh, as we talked about with the Jaguars and the Lions, this team is kind of a team in transition where like you don't want to be getting, signing too many of these older guys that are going to be taking out playing time from these younger guys. Uh, you really want to give these young guys every opportunity or some of these guys that are on the second half of their rookie deals really an opportunity to show that they can earn a job on this roster. So I don't really want to go out and sign a 34-year-old wide receiver or a 33-year-old offensive tackle that's going to take snaps away from some of these young guys like Titus Howard or Nico Collins because those are guys that need the reps now to prove that they're worth that second deal that they're fighting to get. So uh, as we take a look to approach the uh, free agency situation for the Houston Texans, I just wanted to make sure we were reminded of that one there. So as I'm taking a look at this roster, we're going to have a big hole at left tackle with the departure of Laramie Tunsil. I know there's some talk that possibly Titus Howard could kick out there, and then you could look to if you keep – Justin McCray or Max Sharping kicked them to the opposite side guard. Uh, Justin Britz actually departing, it sounds like, as well, too, as an unrestricted free agent. You could possibly look to bring him back, but once again, we may look to get a little bit younger at the position. So I think there's some serious need in the, the offensive trenches. If we turn our head to the playmakers on offense as well, too, uh, Rex Burkhead did a good job at running back, but I don't think he's your long-term solution. I think he's a really good like third down change of change of pace guy, but he's not the kind of guy that's going to be able to take the workload over uh, down to down. So I think at running back, we're going to have a need. And then also at receiver, as we mentioned, Danny Amendola, uh, currently not slated to come back. If you do bring back Chris Conley and then you look to trade Brandon Cooks, you really only have two receivers. You're going to have an opening in the slot and even at a fourth receiver spot. So there's going to be a ton of holes on this offense, and that's not even to mention at quarterback. If Deshaun Watson is really gone and uh, the backup guy in Tyrod Taylor is gone, I think you could have a stopgap solution in Davis Mills. He looked adequate at times last year. I think that he could be a placeholder until you get the rest of this roster built up around him to where uh, then you can evaluate him further and give him a fair shake rather than just trying to move on and get a quarterback right off the bat again. 
Um, when we flip our, our eyes to the defensive side of the ball here, I think that they have a glaring need at a defensive playmaker in the front seven as well, too. None of these guys really pop out to me. Uh, I know they signed over Kingsley Kiki, or Kingsley Kiki from the Green Bay Packers who uh, had a falling out with their front office. But other than that, there's not a ton of guys here in this front seven. Uh, Jacob Martin is set to become a free agent. Demarcus Walker, Vincent Taylor. Ross Blacklock was a former second-round pick. Uh, showed some decent pop in the middle of that interior defensive line. Could be a rotational guy for him. But none of these guys really ling or ring a bell for me here. Jonathan Greenard, uh, Kamu Grieger-Hill, never heard of that guy. I apologize in my life. Uh, Christian Kirksey, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, uh, all very forgettable names here. So I don't really think you're, you're married to any of these guys. Like I said, if the, the price is right for Christian, Christian Kirksey, you know, you keep him at that vet minimum deal, one to two million dollars. Let him come out there and try to earn his job back and stay healthy this year. I'm not exactly opposed to it, but I'm not gonna break the bank, you know, five, six million dollars a year for a guy of his caliber. In the secondary, uh once again we mentioned Desmond King departing. He's getting up there a little bit in age, losing a little bit of a step, but he's still a, a capable slot cornerback. And uh the other position here I'm looking at is going to be the opposite side. Terrence Mitchell's still currently under contract. Uh, He's starter level, replacement level there. It's not like he's holding the job down, being your CB1 for the end of time here. Uh, We mentioned Eric Murray is a possible cut guy as well, too. Uh, If you you leave him on the roster, that's okay. Uh, That's a guy I'd look to move on from if it meant trying to keep Justin Reed. So Justin Reed is... The one name there that really, in my opinion, is a guy that you should fight to keep. So basically, when we're taking a look at this this depth chart through position to position, we can tell there's a ton of holes on this team. There's not a lot of positions that are set in stone that are like, oh my gosh, we can't help but not move on from that guy. So I think that that's going to really help this team as you take a, or steer closer to free agency here and see that there's going to be a lot of opportunities to upgrade this team. There's going to be a lot of guys out there that you can bring in that can come in and play for you right away. And especially if they can free up to that 40 to $50 million number in free agency here, I think that they could be some big players and try to get some guys that are going to be able to help them right away in 2022. So now that we're taking a look at free agency here, we went through the depth chart. We know that there's a lot of guys or a lot of openings on this team. And I know that we want to get young guys, influx of young talent, as we discussed. But not all those needs are going to be able to get filled to the draft. I mean, we can draft 12 guys, but they're not all going to be 12 starters. So we got to keep that in mind as we take a look at some of these options in free agency here. And the first place I'm going to go to here and take a look is going to be the trenches. I think that there's a couple of options here that could really help this team right off the bat. And the first one is going to be at right tackle. Uh, At offensive tackle, I suppose you could put it as. He could play either side. But we got two openings, and I'm not exactly sure if Titus Howard is going to be able to fill them. But nonetheless, let's not even make it a a problem here to depend on somebody falling to us in the draft, uh, a la Ikamekwanu or Evan Neal. Let's go getting Trent Brown. He's going to be 29 years old. He's played at a high level for the Patriots. He went to the Raiders. Didn't have a very good year. Came back to the Patriots and played pretty well. 
Uh, Nick Casario has the ties to the Patriots. I think that we could try to bring him in here if you give him the right dollar amount. Uh, say, you know, t- anywhere from 10 to $15 million, get one of the bookends of our offensive line, sign it up, let's protect the backside of whoever's underneath center. So I like that option for us on the offensive line. I'm going to flip it back over to the defensive line because, like I said, I'm, I'm going to try to have a real big focus here on the trenches, and I'm I'm taking a look at edge. And when I take a look at the, the guys that they have at their edge defense here, they're trying to run that 4-3 front. And a guy like Derek Barnett, you get a bigger edge type of guy that can come in and you could pay him probably right around that six to seven million mark, maybe a little bit more, closer to ten. Another guy that you can come and play, and he's only twenty six years old. He he hasn't exactly panned out in Philly, but it was more rotational there for him. We got a starting job for him here. We can get some depth built up at our defensive end position. And honestly, I'd be okay if we added another guy that was even, you know, a little bit older here. We put him on a little bit of a shorter term contract. But a guy like a Melvin Ingram or even like a, a Ryan Kerrigan, you know, that they're a little bit older, but they're going to fit our scheme that we're trying to run here. Melvin Ingram's more of a 3-4. Uh, Kerrigan can kind of play either or in the 4-3-3-4 on the outside there. But those are a couple options. Or even like a Charles Harris, I think he's more of a scheme fit for the Houston Texans and the other two guys. But just some some more depth here, just so we're, like I said, we're not so dependent on taking a a guy really high in the draft unless one falls to us. Uh, gives you a little bit more flexibility draft-wise when we're taking a look at it. And then I'm going to turn my my head to the, the off-ball linebacker situation as well. I don't necessarily think a guy like a Bobby Wagner is going to really be able to fall in our lap here, that we're going to get a nice deal on him. So that I don't really think that that's going to be a big option. But a guy that really you know, turns my head is going to be a guy like Anthony Walker Jr., uh, from the Cleveland Browns, 27 years old, uh, coming off of a, a pretty decent couple years and uh, for the Browns. Or excuse me, I believe he was with the Colts, then the Browns, unless I'm getting that name mixed up. Either way, I still think he's a viable option here. I think he can play at a high level, help both the run and the pass, and it seems that he should be pretty reasonably priced. I know the APY they have him listed at on over the cap is going to be $3 million. I'm guessing he'll get a little bit over that. So sign me up for a Anthony Walker Jr. to help build up this front seven as well, too. Uh, as I'm taking a look here, none of these other guys really fit my bill, not necessarily tripping my trigger here. Uh, another position that I think that we can get some help at that I think you're going to see some premium guys at the position is going to be cornerback. When I'm taking a look at the cornerbacks that are available, obviously we have J.C. Jackson. We touched on him in the last uh week segment I think that that could be a guy that you'd look to chase especially with Nick Casario having those uh, New England Patriot ties but it's probably going to cost you upwards of 15 to 20 million dollars to bring a guy like that in and I don't know if this this roster is quite ready to pay for a corner p or cornerstone piece that much money so that might be an option that I look to try to steer clear of but I see a couple other guys on this list here a guy like a Tavon Young That'd be a guy that can have inside or outside versatility that I wouldn't be afraid to bring in. Or a guy like a... Hmm. I'm just taking a look at our list here. I don't want to get a guy that's necessarily, you know, 32, 33 years old that I don't know if, how long he's going to be able to play for us here. Uh, a Trey Herndon might be a decent piece that also has that inside-outside flexibility. 
uh, and is still, you know, 26, 27 years old. Some of his best football still in front of him here. Or Dante Jackson is another name that sticks out to me. Another guy that's only going to be chasing, you know, three, four million dollars, former high draft pick, second rounder that we could look to resurrect here as he comes down to Houston. So of those names, the two that I like the most are going to be the Tavon Young and it's going to be the, excuse me, the Dante Jackson. Those are both guys that I would look to, to bring in and kind of try to bolster this unit. It's only going to cost you maybe, you know, eight to ten million dollars, if not maybe Eh, we'll say ten to fifth, ten to twelve million dollars to bring both guys in, uh, pay a majority of the money to Tavon Young, get a one or two year deal for Dante Jackson, so you can hit free agency again in a couple years, but maybe to earn that second contract with your team. So both of them guys are guys that I'd look to bring in here. So we'll take a look and just try to recap it on that. I think that's enough money to be spent there, save some money for the draft class, and uh, that's even if we have enough money to spend that with some of those trades. So just in review here, guys that I'd look to sign, you're looking at a Tavon Young and a Dante Jackson, about 12 to 13 million there out of that position group. You're taking a look at an Anthony Walker Jr. from the Cleveland Browns where you got, you know, 6 million. So that's about 18 million there. Then another individual like a, Derek Brown, that's another $7 million, uh, $8 million there. That's $25 to $26 million total in spending. And then a Trent Brown where we're looking at 10 to $12 million. And that's going to get us to right around that 40 mark. And that's if we clear up enough cap space. Obviously, that list would be a lot smaller if um, Deshaun Watson isn't moved, Laramie Tutsell isn't moved, Brandon Cooks isn't moved. But like I said, we can get that number from 15 to, you know, 25, 30 pretty easily, if not even more with some of those trades. So that's going to be what I would attack here in free agency. So as always, we're going to round it out here with a, a mock draft for the Houston Texans. And we're going to format it the same way that we did the one last week. We're basically we're going to walk through every single uh, round as we go. I'm not going to do it ahead of time. I'm going to do it live as we're going through the pod here. And uh, just a little bit logistically speaking it wise here, the, the Houston Texans have it a much better this draft than they have in the last few years. They finally own their own first-round pick, which is going to help them. I believe they have about eight selections in the draft. And really that number could increase, as we talked about multiple times through the show here, with some trades that they could possibly do to accumulate some more draft capital. So hit and start here on the draft simulator once again that's with our friends over at the draft network they got a really good simulator i really encourage everybody to go check it out and the first two picks off the board are going to be aiden hutchinson kyle hamilton prior to us so that's going to give us our selection of evan o'neill ikem ikwanu kayvon thibodeau Derek stingley jr a lot of guys that are still available on their board here but namely those top three that are the the big three that we've seen in a lot of the top five of the drafts. And uh, when I'm taking a look at what we need on this roster, I think we have some position uh, versatility along the offensive line. So I'm going to make an executive decision here, and I'm going to go to the defensive side of the ball and get my number one player in the draft, and it's going to be Kayvon Thibodeau uh, from the University of Oregon as an edge player. Uh, also steering this in a little bit different direction. Actually, no, I believe we actually took Kayvon Thibodeau in uh, the last week's draft too when he was available. So uh, once again, I really love Kayvon Thibodeau. If this happens to be how it falls for the Houston Texans, that's who I would take. 
Uh, if it ends up like last week where we took him as the Detroit Lions, I would default to an offensive tackle here. But for the sake of the mock, we're going to take Kayvon Thibodeau. That's how the board falls to us today. So that's going to be our first selection here. I believe we're going to wait for it to come back around in the second round. But uh, just to elaborate a little bit more on Kayvon Thibodeau, I think he's I think he's a very special edge prospect. I think he has a much higher ceiling than Aiden Hutchinson. The reason uh, when we did the Jacksonville Jaguars draft and I took Aiden Hutchinson over Kayvon was basically that position versatility. You got a couple of different options, especially in a 4-3 to use him throughout the front. Uh, in this draft, he obviously wasn't available. That's why we couldn't look to make that move here. But I still think he's the best player in this draft of overall edge talent. And I think that he kind of fits the bill for what they're making here, especially after some of the moves we made in the free agency period just before this. I think that he could still fit perfectly into this roster to help them out. So as the board's fallen to us again here at pick 37 in the second round, we still have a ton of needs on this team, especially in the trenches. Uh, we could look to go off-ball linebacker here if it works. We could look to go defensive back here if it works or even some offensive playmakers here. So as we take a look at the board, how it's laying here, we have Desmond Ritter, Matt Corral, Jaquan Brisker, the safety out of Penn State, Christian Harris, linebacker out of Alabama, Kyler Gordon, corner out of uh, Washington, Christian Watson, receiver from NDSU. Uh, we got a, a few options here that are really good, I think. And we have quite a few running backs as well, too, if we decided to go that route. But I don't think that uh, necessarily running backs a big need. One that I'm going to make the move on here that I think you're going to get some pretty solid value still at this position is going to be the Jaquan Brisker pick, especially if we uh, look to move on from either Justin Reed or Eric Murray. I think that's going to really help us out in the defensive backfield. Lovey Smith's a defensive head coach. I think you're going to see a lot of moves made on that side of the ball to fix that first and try to get this defense reeled in before we try to make some bigger selections elsewhere. But I, I think that uh, Jaquan Brisker would be a really good complement with uh, Justin Reed if we can somehow keep him on the roster just because they, they both have the same scheme, or same scheme versatility where they're very sound in coverage, but they're not afraid to come be box guys up in the, you know, that, that dime linebacker role if needed. So if we lose Justin Reed, I think that he can play fill that role very well, but he also would pair well with him if we can look to keep him as well. So taking it back to the draft here, uh, we still got some need in the trenches, and I'm gonna I'm gonna flip over to the offensive side of the ball. I think it's time to address some needs on that side, and uh, we signed Trent Brown in the the free agency period. Uh, we looked to try to possibly kick Titus Howard out. We might have to leave him inside, depending on who's on the board here. And another guy that I really like that I still see on the board here that we're gonna we're gonna make a move on in the offensive trenches is gonna be Darian Kennard in the third round here. So Darian Kennard, the offensive guard out of Kentucky, uh, he's a mammoth of a being. He's a very good run blocker. I think he's going to be a guard at the next level just because I don't think he moves well enough to play outside. But if you needed to play him at right tackle and kick Trent Brown over to left and then play uh, Titus Howard inside, or you could look to play Titus Howard at the right tackle position, kick Darian Kennard inside, I think you've got a lot of different options to get your best five on the field. So that's why I like that selection here in the third round. Uh, we're coming back around here in the third round again. Uh, we're going to get an opportunity to make another selection. 
And we still got some some playmakers on offense that we would need. I don't really see a wide receiver on the board that I specifically like that's going to move the needle for me one way or the other. Uh, that We still have a need at some interior offensive line depth if we can get it. Uh, we have an off-ball linebacker need. Uh, tight end is, is a little bit of a sneaky need. Uh, Brevin Jordan hasn't exactly lit the world on fire. So if we decided to go that route, there's quite a few guys available there. But I think that where I'm going to lean here, and I think it's going to be a good selection for us just because I don't know how well we address it with our offseason acquisitions in the free agency period, is going to be Leo Chennault, the linebacker out of Wisconsin. Uh, Leo Chennault, a little bit of an athletic freak. He didn't really uh, do the, the bench testing at the combine, but he had a huge 40 uh, he's super athletic. He's he's I've I've called him multiple times on Twitter the the most jacked human being I've ever seen in the history of the NFL. Coming into the NFL, the dude is just absolutely yoked. I know if you listen to the NFL Stock Exchange podcast, they talked about him how he's off the charts with strength wise. That they they were really expecting him to to challenge the NFL Combine record in terms of how many bench reps he could put up. But I think that uh, if we even do sign that Anthony Walker Jr. in free agency, we'd get Leo Chanel in here to play some off-ball linebacker for us as well, maybe show some multiple fronts, drop him down a little bit. Uh, I think that that gives us some options as well there in our front. But coming back around here in the fourth round, I think now this is a time that we're going to get a name that I love here. Uh, I'm not even going to look to see who's still available. Actually, I lied. I'm going to look. I'm going to take a look to see who we have in terms of some playmakers on offense because we still need a receiver. But this guy, I feel like, is too good to pass up at this point. And I think he's going to be the perfect complement to Rex Burkhead in this offense. I'm going to go Brian Robinson Jr. And a little bit of a spoiler alert, if you haven't listened to any of our previous podcasts, tune in now because I have Brian Robinson Jr. as the second-ranked running back on my entire board. I think that he's a very downhill physical running back that when given the opportunity, shouldered the load, and I don't think he sticks out like a sore thumb and pass pro and, and uh, catching the ball out of the backfield. I don't know why everybody's so low on him, and I feel like getting him in the fourth round here, you're getting a guy that can be a starter, especially pairing well with Rex Burkhead, that kind of change of pace, catching the ball out of the backfield guy, put Robinson on there in first and second down, run the ball with him down the hill, and use him in the screen game. So I think that he's going to be a really good piece of this offense that we're going to be able to add in the fourth round to strengthen that running back room, which is going to bring us right into the fifth round here. And, or excuse me, the sixth round. We we didn't have a fifth round selection, so we're in the sixth round. And now we're kind of getting to some of this, this, this range where we're looking for some depth guys. Uh, a guy that I see that I like here, and I believe I've used him in a couple of different mock drafts, is going to be Thayer Munford. He's an interior offensive lineman. I said that we could still use some some trench depth there. Uh, I think that's the route we're going to go here. If you wanted, you could go Romeo Dubs, wide receiver out of Nevada. Uh, that'd be an option. Justin Ross. But I don't want to keep using the same Justin Ross pick over and over again. So we're going to go Thayer Munford. I think that that's going to help give us some of that versatility because some of these guys are going to have to kick out. We can't draft four interior offensive linemen and say none of them are going to play tackle. One of these guys is going to play tackle between Titus Howard and Darian Kennard. And I think whoever doesn't is going to open up an opportunity to start inside, especially if we're looking to move on from guys like Justin McRae and 
excuse me, Max Sharping as well. So Thayer Munford in the sixth round. We're coming back around once again in the sixth round here. And I think we have a huge need here still at receiver. I think we're we're taking a look here. We're not going to necessarily get a guy that's going to be your day one starter here right off the bat. You're going to get a guy that could be a developmental type player, a guy that can, you know, play some special teams for us here at this point in the draft, you know, late sixth round, early seventh round. But I don't think we're going to get a guy that's going to be hands down one of the best in the draft at this point. So just taking a look at some of the names that we have available. And you know what? We're going to go with this guy just because he had an absolutely outstanding combine. And it's a complete 360 from what I was just talking about. We're going to go Kalen Barnes, the 40 phenom from the combine out of Baylor. Uh, he, I believe he had the second fastest 40 in the history of the combine. And now he's going to make it onto our board. Add some of that versatility to play special teams. Uh, maybe fit in the nickel cornerback eventually down the road here as we moved on from a couple of guys. Uh, but at this point, we're, we can take big swings on guys like that this late in the draft. And that's good. only two picks go by before we're going to have to make another selection here. So we're back on the board here in the sixth round. And I'm trying to see if there's a wide receiver that's still available here that's going to be able to fit the bill so i apologize as this is probably some pretty poor content in terms of what we're looking for here but tyquan thornton another big time 40 guy here so we're gonna go that route uh we're gonna get another baylor guy here tyquan thornton i believe he had a, another scorching third or excuse me 40 in terms of how he ran at the combine this past week and if we get him in the sixth round here it's another guy he can pair well well with his uh his former baylor teammate in the kalen barnes that we just selected and we get a couple of back-to-back -back guys they get to stay here in the their home state of texas add some special teams depth add some much needed speed to this roster as i think that they were kind of lacking it on this houston texans roster the last few years so we're just waiting for our last selection to come around here in the seventh round. So once again, uh, we're using the Draft Network's uh, Draft Simulator. It's a really cool tool if you guys haven't checked it out yet. You can run hundreds and hundreds of simulations. If you sign up for their Elite Pro status, you'll be able to save these mock drafts, make your own big boards, all kinds of fun stuff like that. But now that we're coming back around here in the seventh round, we're going to get our last selection um, once again, uh, there's not a lot of guys here that you're going to get. They're going to be day one, uh, big time guys that are going to make an impact on your roster. So when I'm taking a look here, we can take some big swings. I'm going to go the route of, uh, let's see who we got. Let's see if there's any big names that I like around here. Um, filtering through, seeing if we got any quarterbacks. Some of these quarterbacks are some fairly big swings guys that i'm not comfortable taking at all so that's going to be something that i'm going to try to avoid uh, tight end and wide receiver i don't really feel like addressing that again i feel like we hit on a lot of the offensive tackles and interior offensive linemen in this draft we put up emphasis big time at the beginning of the the draft here so where i'm going to end up leaning towards is Ooh, this is a guy I really liked in the preseason. 
So we're going to end up taking him here. But it's going to be Bubba Bolden, safety out of Miami. I believe we took him in the last week's draft, too. This is going to be one of my guys. Uh, I really loved him in the preseason uh, scouting. He, he's a big body dude. He's 6'3". I th think he's listed at 200 even, but I think he's going to come in even a little bit bigger than that. But he plays big. He plays like a really physical downhill safety. And I think this is a guy that you could see coming in on the, those dime packages to spell some of these linebackers and get them off the field if you got some of the bigger thumper type players and this guy he's a guy that can run down the seams he can play special teams and if you get him in the seventh round I feel like he's a steal and he's going to be a staple in my mock drafts here for for a long time because he's a he's a name that I really like so that's going to round out our draft here just recapping all the selections we made uh, we get Kayvon Thibodeau with the third overall select in the edge defender. Jaquan Brisker, safety at number 37. Darian Kennard, interior offensive line at 68. Leo Chanel, linebacker at 80. Brady, or excuse me, Brian Robinson Jr., running back at 135. Uh, Thayer Munford, interior offensive lineman at 181. Kalen Barnes, cornerback at 203. Twyquan, or excuse me, Tyquan Thornton, wide receiver at 205. Bubba Bolden, safety at 242. So, once again, I think we, we solved a lot of those issues, and I think that we're going to get this roster moving in the right direction with some of the moves that I mentioned that we should be making in free agency as the Houston Texans and some of the moves that we should be making as a mock draft for the Houston Texans as well too. Let's build this roster up through the trenches. Let's get a couple of young playmakers in this offense and the defensive backfield and then we can look to maybe get the quarterback position right. Or who knows, maybe Davis Mills even does turn out to be the guy. But with some of these guys surrounding him this year, I think we're going to get a better picture of who he can be as a player and who he can be as a leader in this offense. So that's my way of fixing the, the Houston Texans here this week. Next up this week, we're going to fix a, a second team here just because I, I didn't realize how close we were to free agency. So I don't know how many of these we're going to be able to get through. My goal was to try to get to the, at least the top 10. But regardless, we'll get through another team here before free agency kicks off. And it's going to be the New York Jets. And the New York Jets in 2021 were more of a rebuilding franchise. We knew that that's kind of what it was going to be for them, uh, selecting a uh, quarterback in the first round this, or excuse me, this previous year. So... They had first-year coach Robert Sala, and they end up finishing the year out fourth in the AFC. Excuse me, fourth in the AFC East at four and thirteen. So it wasn't exactly a great year, but there is a, a few foundational blocks. I thought that they did pretty good of establishing on the team here. Uh, when we take a look at how the team's going to break down here and some of their needs, uh, quarterback as we mentioned, we got Zach Wilson. I, I foresee him being the quarterback of the at least short-term future here. We'll see uh, in the next couple years if he ends up panning out being a long-term option. Michael Carter showed some promise as a running back, uh, fourth-round draft pick, and just showed how valuable the mid-round uh, mid running backs can be. Uh, their offensive line had some had some lumps along it. They uh, Mekhi Becton missed an extended period of time. Elijah Vera Tucker looked pretty good. Uh, Connor McGovern, still under contract, was an all-right option. Uh, Lauren Duvernay-Tardif, I apologize if I said that wrong, uh, looking to be an unrestricted free agent along with Morgan Moses, who Morgan Moses wasn't terrible, but I don't necessarily think he's going to be a long-term option at right tackle either. At their playmaking positions, 
Uh, in terms of receiver on the offense, Corey Davis still under contract. Once again, had an injury-riddled season for the Jets. Uh, failed to establish the rapport with Zach Wilson being able to push the ball down the field. And Elijah Moore was a pleasant surprise, a second-round pick. And really, I think he'll be a capable replacement for Jamison Crowder, who is currently an unrestricted free agent, along with Braxton Berrios and Keelan Cole. Uh, Demzel Mims has been rumored to be a trade target as well. I'm expecting a, a small return on that. We're looking like a fourth or fifth-round pick. Uh, if they do decide to move him, I don't think there's huge cap ramifications there. It's more so a playing time issue and a coaching staff issue uh, where they, they weren't able to iron things out. If we flip over to the defensive side of the ball, uh, Carl Lawson missed the entire year with a torn Achilles. Hopefully he can return to form and we can get some production out of him for the New York Jets this year. Uh, Quentin Williams, a, a very stout, very above average to a great option there in, in the interior defensive line. I'm not even going to, I apologize ahead of time here, Fuller Ronso Fatuskasi is going to be an unrestricted free agent uh, who is slated to be a starter. Uh, they also have Jonathan Franklin Myers, who I believe they just signed to an extension, was it this past year? So they have a couple of building blocks along this front. A huge question mark is going to be if Carl Lawson can return to form because an Achilles injury is nothing to to raise your nose at here. It's something that guys don't necessarily always come back from. And at the second level of the defense, you got Jared Davis, who's leaving as an unrestricted free agent currently, and C.J. Mosley returning, who's a, been a key starter for them, but he's getting up there in age. So there, there may be a need there at linebacker uh, to go along with the edge rusher position. And then at the defensive backfield, there's a couple of really decent options here. They got uh, Bryce Hall, who was a really capable number two corner, I thought. He's really shown to be a value pick at, in the fifth round previously. Uh, Ashton Davis has been given the opportunity. It's it's going to be now or never for him. I think that he can be a stopgap solution, if not maybe a permanent starter solution, as we look to move on from Marcus May, who's going to be an unrestricted free agent. Uh, they just recently re-signed LaMarcus Joyner, so he could be also be a stopgap solution at safety. But the other two corner positions, they have a nickelback, Michael Carter, who's also looked like to be a, a later round steal as well. They've gotten some good production out of him. But Brandon Eccles is not, uh, not a guy that you're going to consider a CB1 in any defense. So they're going to have a hole at pretty much every level in the defensive side of the ball here, including some playmakers and offensive line help. So they're going to have their work cut out for them. But the good thing is, um, as we transition over into the, the cap situation here, they are currently slated to be the number four cap space team heading into free agency as of now with uh, 48.5 approximately million dollars uh, in, available to spend as it currently is. And uh, we'll, we'll take a look here shortly to just see if there's any other uh, roster trimmings we can do to get that number up to kind of open up some playing time for some other guys on the roster. Taking a look at the uh, currently rostered uh, team here to see if there's any cap casualties that we could have here. There's two of them that stand out for sure to me, maybe a third one and even possibly a fourth if they have a plan at tight end. So the first one's going to be George Fant. Uh, he's currently not slated to be a starter, especially if we can look to get some depth either via free agency or the draft. Uh, they can save $10 million against the cap by cutting bait with him pre-June 1. And that's that's even after the one uh, million in dead money that you're going to incur cutting him. So that's a that's a booster that we could get an extra ten million in cap space. Uh, you take a look, Connor McGovern, another situation there along the offensive line. If that's a move that you're okay making, where you like your depth or your opportunity to sign some of these guys in free agency or draft these mid 
mid-tier, high-tier uh, offensive lineman. I think that that's another solution that you could do to get an extra $9 million in cap space. And then the third one that I know Robert Sala, coming from the 49ers, really likes his uh, defensive line depth. And Sheldon Rankins, he's not currently slated to be a starter, but he's sitting at $5.4 million in cap savings if they could cut bait with him now. So I think that that's a an easy way to trim this up and get about $24 million extra dollars in cap space to really be a big player here in the free agency pool. Uh, the fourth one that I wasn't sure about was Ryan Griffin. I know he's played a significant role for them recently. Uh, you can save about $3 million by cutting bait with him as well, too, but you'd have to have a very specific plan in place because this uh, McDaniels, excuse me, McDaniels, <laughs> This Lafleur offense is a uh, very tight end oriented. We take a look at what his brother does in Green Bay. You take a look at what Shanahan does at the 49ers. Uh, the tight end's a big part of that offense. So I think you'd have to have a very specific plan in place to make a move like that. So those are some of the the trimmings that I I thought would be a decent way to try to cut some corners, get a little extra cap space. Uh, I know we talked about trading Denzel Mims. It seems as though you, you're only saving about $720,000 in cap space doing so. It's more so to get rid of an asset that necessarily hasn't done a ton to support your team as it currently stands. So I think that that's something that they should explore if he doesn't have a future with the team. So the next thing up here I wanted to take a look at was going to be some of these free agents. And we mentioned that they have pretty much a need at a lot of levels, except maybe like their quarterback, running back. Uh, maybe that's about it, if we're being honest. Everywhere else, you could look to see some upgrades. And right away, and I know this is going to be a name that's going to pop up a lot, but a guy that I really like for them. And I think that they're going to have the cap space to make a very serious play at them is going to be jc jackson i think that they're going to be able to throw around you know 20 some million dollars to really try to bring him in and he kind of fits their timetable at that 27 years of age and you get that true bona fide number one corner and you also get the bonus that he's going to get to play his former team who he may be holding a little bit of a grudge against um twice a year so that's a way that i would look to spend some of this available cap space that they got and get a big time player to play opposite of bryce hall and uh, outside of uh, Michael Carter in a slot. So that'd be my first target if I were them. If you miss out on those sleep sweepstakes, you could always look to move out on a guy like a Kyle Fuller um, would be a good option as well too here. I think he'd fit in that defense pretty well. And uh, another guy would be possibly like a Darius Williams as well that uh, played in the sister scheme that is over in Los Angeles Rams there. So those are some of the, the discount options that you could look to bring in to really fortify this defensive backfield. Uh, then we're going to take our turn here looking at edge defenders. I want to see if there's anybody here that seems as though they'd be a good option to fit their timetable here because this is another big need. And we'd like to have some, some insurance here as well too just in case our guy uh, doesn't come back as healthy as we're thinking in Carl Lawson. So a uh, guy that kind of piques my interest when I'm taking a look here would be obviously the big name guys Chandler Jones uh, I don't necessarily think that that's going to be a a feasible option for this team if you can bring him in I'm more than open to it I think he'd fit like a glove here maybe a Dante Fowler Jr. might not be a couple a bad option you can get him on a couple year deal he can play some outside edge defender I, I like that here as well 
Um, if you're looking for a one-year rental, maybe a guy more so like a Ryan Kerrigan, Justin Houston might also fit the bill here to give us some depth outside of Carl Lawson. But definitely, I think that this is one of the, the needs that we're going to be able to try to address in the draft. But I definitely think that we can get a depth guy here. So Dante Fowler would be one of the guys on my list or one of those aging guys. So we're looking at about currently $25 million in cap spending just between those guys alone. Uh, where I'm going to turn my attention to next is going to be an established veteran receiver. I think that that'd be really good for this offense as well, too, losing a couple of those guys and what we've seen from Elijah Moore. So where I'm looking here is you could see this being an Allen Robinson destination, but I think he's going to be looking for more of like a contender uh, status there. So if I, as I'm paging through the list here, there's not a ton of options. Uh, if you're looking for established veterans, a lot of them got taken away with the excuse me, the uh, franchise tag designations. But another guy that kind of gets me interested would be like a Juju Smith-Schuster. If you want to look for a big slot guy, you can move them guys around, be multiple in your formations. Uh, none of these guys are like must-haves, in my opinion. I'd maybe dip my toes in the A.J. Greenwater if he'd be interested in coming to New York. But really, I don't think, unless... You're, you're comfortable giving one of these older guys, you know, $7 million a year that this is going to be a reasonable group to choose from here. Uh, flipping over to tight end, I think that this is one that we could look to upgrade the position room here. And I think if you can get your hands on like a Robert Tunyon and pry him away from the Green Bay Packers that, or even like an O.J. Howard, a big upside swing here to kind of be a more high ceiling option as a tight end. Those are definitely a couple moves I would look to make. If you can get them in that, you know, seven to eight million range, I know that you're going to get like a little bit of an injury discount there. I think that that's something that I'd be open to making. So that's up in our cap spending to about thirty three million dollars. So then I'm going to take a look at the offensive line. That's going to be another uh, big ticket item here, Sp specifically the interior. I think that we can get some uh, gentlemen that are going to be able to help us out. And recently uh, I became aware that Lakin Tomlinson is an available option as a guard, and I think that that'd be a perfect glove fit. He's worked in the same system previously with the San Francisco 49ers. You get him for about $8 million. You fit him in the cap. I think that's a really great option for us here. So that's just $40 million in spending there. And you already shored up an interior offensive lineman, a starter at tight end, a starter to depth player at edge defender, and a starter at corner. Uh, the last spot that I missed out on here that I wanted to address was going to be our linebacking situation. I know that they had the history with Anthony Barr. If you could somehow rope him into coming back and playing in this defense, I don't know if he'd be open to that uh, due to the situation last time. But that's a guy that possibly could come in and get you some quality starts. Otherwise, the other one that really piques my interest, and we, we've discussed it a couple of different times here, is going to be you know, Leighton Vander Esch, who could be a high, a big risk, a high reward type of guy. Uh, also, I wouldn't hate a Devondre Campbell in this defense as well, too. I think that they could be beneficial at both levels. He showed a lot of promise with Green Bay last year, and I think that he could be a big-time option for these guys because I think as we're starting to address some of the needs here and discussing their timetable, I think that there's not going to be a playoff mandate for these guys next year, but there's got to be some improvement shown. So that if that means taking some of these swings on these uh 
older veterans that are going to be able to help, help coming and play right away, I think that's a good idea. Because if we can get to 8-9, eight, 9-8 nine, nine, and eight with the New York Jets next year, I think that's a huge win for them. So that's what I would attack during the, the free agency period here. Um, they're going to have a ton of money to throw around and just be sure not to spend it on you know 33-year-old uh, wide receivers that have an injury history and throw you know 20 million at them I, I like the idea of throwing it at a number one corner an edge depth defender a starter at linebacker that can lead your defense a starter at interior offense lineman and a starting tight end I think that's a really good place to start at the last piece of the puzzle that we're going to put together here for the New York Jets is going to be a mock draft that's tailored to their picks and they got some premium ones available they have a couple second rounders and a couple first rounders that is going to make them a, a really interesting uh, piece to the puzzle here of how they're gonna approach a lot of this uh this nfl draft here and i think it, the way we ran the draft here for them is really going to comp or uh, complement essentially how we attack free agency form as well so with their first overall selection at number four overall uh, Iki Aquanu is available on the board here, and that's who we're going to move ahead with. He actually is my top-rated offensive tackle. I just like his tenacity when you uh, pair him against a guy like Evan Neal. And I think he's going to be a much more uh, dominant run blocker than we've seen from Evan Neal, uh, which, I mean, it, it, it's close. It's not like Evan Neal doesn't have that killer instinct in him. I think he does. I just think Aquanu uh, is just a whole other animal when it comes to the run game. So I think that that's going to pair really well in this uh, Lafleur offense as well. And moving right along here to the 10th overall selection that the, the Jets hold in the draft. And Ahmad Gardner was available on the board here, but the route that we're going to go is going to be Jermaine Johnson, edge defender. Uh, I believe he's from Florida State. Uh, he's been one of the highest risers in all of the draft process here, and no exception to this here. He's he's almost surpassing Kayvon Thibodeau here in a lot of circles, it sounds like. And it, it's not surprising at all. He's a workout warrior. Uh, he's had some serious production. His tape adds up. He was a great senior bowl guy. Uh, so a lot of this stuff is just coming together at the right time for him and just continues to catapult his draft stock. And I think at this edge defender position, it gives us some uh, some future prospects as well too here just because we don't know how Carl Lawson's going to pan out. And I know we talked about possibly getting a guy like the, a Dante Fowler. Jermaine Johnson's a whole nother animal. He's a young guy. He's a cornerstone piece of your defense for the near future as well. And moving right into the second round here, we get the possibly my favorite pick of this entire draft just because the way the free agency shook out, there wasn't a ton of guys that I thought were going to be quality receivers that were going to give you day one uh, contributions. But we luck out here, and at the top of the second round, we get my wide receiver one for this year's draft, and we get Chris Olave. Chris Olave is a receiver in my mind that can do it all. He can play from the slot. He can win outside as a deep threat. Uh, I think it's a perfect complement, and you can do a lot of crazy different things moving him throughout the formation along with Elijah Moore. So this is a, a big-time target, and he fits the perfect time frame, gives a perfect safety blanket for Zach Wilson moving forward. So it was my favorite pick of this entire draft that we got here in the second round. I don't think this is actually going to happen on day one, but in this in this case of the mock draft to build around this offense, I thought it was the perfect selection. Uh, taken right into my second favorite selection of the draft here, and this is a guy that has kind of been falling down draft boards for a lot of teams, but it's a guy that I still really, really like, and I think he... He could do some damage in this Robert Sala defense. 
and we get some more depth on that side of the ball too in the trenches. We're going to get DeMar- DeMarvin Leal uh, into your defense alignment out of Texas A&M. Uh, he was one of my preseason darlings. I loved his explosion off the ball. I loved his per- position versatility. And I think in like this forefront that uh, they're projected to run here in New York, I think that he could fit in just perfectly and he's going to find a home somewhere along that defensive front. And you're going to have a really good rotation between him and Quinn and Williams and a lot of these different guys that they've signed and they've they brought in here. So I think adding him and Jermaine Johnson are two really big-time pieces that you could add in this draft that are going to help you out day one. Uh, moving right along, uh, the in the third round here, we end up selecting at pick 69. Uh, I don't necessarily know if I like this guy, uh, but I like the position that we're, we're moving towards here. And he just happened to be the best guy available. And I think he's going to add some competition to that room. It's going to be Darian Kennard. I know this is going to be one of those hot guys that once we hit that like third round range, that you're going to see a lot of guys are going to want him in their mocks. And I don't, ex- I, I don't blame him at all. I think that he can kick inside and play a, a ton of really good guard reps for you. You pair him up with Elijah Vera Tucker or uh, Lake and Tomlinson, or somehow if you can move one of them guys into center or maybe kick one of them guys out to tackle. Uh, I, I'm not sure. We've got a ton of versatility. Maybe this means that you don't need to make the Lake and Tomlinson move, or maybe that makes it short-term while we develop this guy behind him. Either way, I think we have a ton of depth, and it never hurts to have a lot of good players along the offensive line. So Darian Kennard into your offensive line at 69. Uh, we're pushing through on the draft here. We're going to be moving forward. And at pick 109, uh, how the board fell here is I thought it was a good time to get a developmental tight end to go behind the guy that we're signing in free agency, whether it's O.J. Howard or someone else. But this is also one of my my preseason tight end one picks. And we didn't quite get to our tight end draft uh, rankings yet. We got some time to do that. But this guy is, he was a guy that was high on my list, Jake Ferguson out of Wisconsin. I think he's got a ton of tenacity as a blocker. Uh, I started watching some film on him from this previous season season this week, and I didn't quite see that this year, but it, it's in him. He can get to the second level. He's not afraid to pair up with some of these DNs. Uh, he didn't back down from the challenge going up against Aiden Hutchinson. Didn't always win him, but once again, he didn't back down from the challenge. So I like him. He could be that tight end too, maybe developing the tight end one as we go along here. It maybe gives you that flexibility to move on from a Ryan Griffin type. Uh, with their next selection here still hanging around, it's going to be the pick number 115. I'm going to go with the linebacker, Brandon Smith. He's an athletic phenom. He, he's crazy potential. He's really fast. He's really uh, lengthy. He's, he's able to play alongside the defense. So he can play off ball. He can play as a blitzer. You can maybe even use him as an edge defender a little bit. He played all over the defense there at Penn State. And I think his projection at the next level is going to be at off ball linebacker. But the problem here is, is we got a couple of guys that can play in front of him, but that's okay. It's going to take some time to develop him. He wasn't a finished product at Penn State. I think that we can bring him in here to this New York defense and learn and kind of develop him into that Fred Warner uh, arch type. So I like that selection here at 115. So for the last two selections that we're going to be looking to make here in the draft, it's going to be some... Uh, low risk, you know, big swings. You know, we're talking fifth, sixth round picks here at this point. So it's not necessarily going to be these these high caliber, high profile guys. But I really do like this selection at 145. So unrestricted t- uh, free agent Tevin Coleman. I'm expecting him, if unless they can get him back on a low deal here, uh, I'm thinking he's going to walk. And this gives you a little flexibility getting a guy like this at the back end of the draft. It's a, it's a comparable. It's going to be a speed profile kind of guy. I think, I think he can fit into this wide zone system that LaFleur wants to run. It's going to be Jerome Ford, Cincinnati's running back. 
And I really like the the upside here that he provides. He could be a good spell for Michael Carter. You get a little bit of a different dimension. He, Michael Carter's this do-it-all running receiving threat, this Jerome Ford guy. He could be more of a Tevin Coleman type guy that's going to sp- the, spread the defense, the lengthways, and uh, really hit those seams and be a home run threat on the outside. So I like that selection at 145. And closing out the draft here, I don't know a lot about this guy, so full transparency, but it's going to be interior offensive lineman Cam Jurgens uh, out of Nebraska. I think that uh, along the interior offensive line, he's a little bit undersized. I think they got him listed at about 290 pounds. But I think that he can be a, a backup guy at center here, especially if they look to move on from Connor McGovern. Uh, this could be a guy, insert him here. We can develop him into a center and give us some more depth along the offensive line. So recapping that, we'll go back to the top of the draft. We get Ikemikwanu, offensive tackle in NC State. Jermaine Johnson, ed def- excuse me, edge defender, Florida State. Uh, wide receiver Chris Alave, uh, Ohio State. DeMarvin Leal, interior defensive line, Texas A&M. Darian Kennard, interior offensive line, Kentucky. Jake Ferguson, tight end, Wisconsin. Brandon Smith, linebacker, Penn State. Jerome Ford, running back, Cincinnati. Cam Jurgens, interior offensive lineman, Nebraska. So combining that with attacking the stuff that we did in the free agency segment uh, with J.C. Jackson, uh, the linebacker room especially as well, uh, Dante Fowler type at edge. Excuse me, I'm trying to remember everything we discussed here. Uh, getting another interior offensive lineman in Lake and Tomlinson, and then getting a nice uh, proven tight end like an OJ Howard type as well through free agency. I think are a ton of all kinds of moves that I th- I could see this team making to kind of vault them to the next level. I think really attacking that offensive line, protecting Zach Wilson, and then also getting him a playmaker, and then using the rest to kind of just start building out this defense the way Salah wants to wants to see it as. I think those are all really good things and. I think the moves that we just discussed here can be stuff that takes you to that next level, that gets you into that that wild card conversation, that eight, nine wins as long as Zach Wilson supported. So that's how we're going to close out the Fix Your Franchise for the New York Jets. So that's going to be it for today's episode. Uh, we appreciate everybody tuning in. I know we went with uh, the double Fix Your Franchise segment. I wanted to make sure we got as many as we could in before we hit the free agency period here because they're going to be a little bit different once that hits. We're going to have a better idea of how some of these teams are going to build these teams out and maybe we can just turn it into to plan your draft. So once again, appreciate every single one of you guys that listens to this here. Uh, couldn't do it without you. That's, that's the whole reason we get behind it. So hopefully you like what you hear. Hit subscribe. Come back next week. We're going to continue our prospect rankings. There's a few more tight ends and offensive linemen that I want to tune into before we, we kind of iron that out before the draft. And then hopefully we'll have some nice free agency news and storylines that we can bring up uh, after this, this next week here. So we'll see you all next week.